Welcome to The Leap with Japa, the podcast that bridges continents and connects stories. Join us as we dive into the vibrant world of international education, explore diverse cultures, and share the extraordinary journeys of students far from home. Whether you're dreaming of studying abroad or already embarking on this adventure through other means, Leap with Japa is your companion in navigating the exciting, challenging, and transformative world of global education. Let's leap into today's episode. Hello, welcome to this week's episode. Uh, it's going to be another interview, this time with another engineer, software engineer that I helped with his journey. I uh, wanted to just uh, give you another heads up um, with the episode, um, the quality. I had this issue with, you know, it has a hollowness to the episode. Um, you know, during editing, I tried to make it sound better, but uh, this is the best I could do. Um, so enjoy it. Uh, thank you very much for being on this journey so far. Um, next um, interview series would be a three-part um, series. So this is going to probably be the last time you would hear me apologize for this because I switched softwares. So the previous ones I used StreamYard. This one is a new software. So this is this is probably going to sound much better. So thank you very much for you know bearing with me with these um the last two interview and the uh, quality in terms of the recording of the interviews um i hope you enjoy this as much as i enjoy doing this and thank you very much for your continued um support and here is this week's episode All right, Thomas, good afternoon from, well, it's, it's kind of evening here from California. Yeah. How, is, um, how are you doing in Arizona? Yeah, Arizona is nice, chilled and calm and more beautiful weather. Right. You've, been, you've been staying there how long now? Um, six months. I moved there in June, so I've been six months. Six months, so, and that means you are fully, uh, what do they call you people, Arizonians or? Arizonians, yeah. Arizonians, are you in Phoenix? What part of Arizona are you? I'm in the Scottsdale area. Scottsdale? Okay. Oh, Scottsdale, yeah. Arizona. Okay, good, good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. Um, I I felt your experience was going to be very beneficial to international students that live uh, currently in the U.S. and also potential international mm-hmm. students. Um, and since I was kind of part of your journey i felt that it would be a good way to um get people to hear your story as well as to give them tips on you know how you navigated the very um interesting pathway for as an international student so uh give us your background tell us what you do currently and um yeah let's go let's let's get to meet you thank you for having me um my background a little bit um i started with um electrical engineering as my first degree Uh, i wanted to do electrical engineering because i felt i needed some some challenging courses to do and get like a stable job out there um 
So when I was in Nigeria, so okay. I was so focused on trying to like be the best in my class. So okay. towards my final year, before I graduated, I that was when I um, I met um, Jacob Brasaid. And around that period, I was curious how programming works, you know. I was electrical engineering. All I do was memorize all the code that we did in class and I passed. Right. So I just didn't understand what I was memorizing. So I think at the time, my elder brother introduced me to um, Saeed and he was like, oh, Miss Saeed is a very smart guy, a software engineer and stuff. So I became so curious, like, uh, okay, I must um, kind of learn what software engineering is about. And what, that's year, my what, journey. What, what, what year was this? This was 2017. 2017? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it was a long time. Yeah, eight years. <laughs> so so I, that was when I... Okay. Yeah. So that was when I picked up um, interest in programming. And I, was, I started with Python, of course, on YouTube. I didn't have money to pay for any subscription. So I just went to YouTube. Which programming language should I learn first? You know, just, okay. at, just like Googling things. And before you know it, I started learning Python, Python. And that's when I met Brassaid along the way physically. And I tried to like talk to him, but I was scared. <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to him. We met physically in 2017? That yeah. was... Was that... In church. When was that? Yeah, on side in, in church. Well, was I, that place? well, I know we met in church, but 2017, I was not in Nigeria. <laughs> So yeah. it was yeah, that, that same period, that same period. Because I know during my job when I started, yes. I was still period. But Henry has been telling me about you um during that okay. period. And I was like, okay, like I would I would meet him and stuff like that. But when I come into the church, I right. met you. So this is the church for, for everyone. Listen, this is a church back in Lagos, Nigeria. <laughs> um his his brother Henry was um, was the one that introduced me to Education USA. So that's that's how we, that's the connection. So I met his, um, I met your elder brother who told me that there was this thing that the US Embassy did and I almost didn't believe it that it existed and I joined Education USA. So he was mm-hmm. instrumental in getting me to Education USA who, which then eventually helped me. Uh, and that was 2014. So, okay. yeah. So that's 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 why I said the the timeline is kind of interesting because 2017 wow. I just graduated from Prairie View, so I know we met briefly, probably then in 2014, 2015. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So so that's the that's the timeline. But yeah, yeah. So so how did you decide to study in the US? Yeah, um, at the time, I didn't um, I didn't know much about training and go to study in the U.S. All I knew was I wanted to be a software engineer. I wanted to be okay. as good as a good programmer, like the people that I know, like Brad and the rest. So right. I started learning programming, and then and then I applied to companies in Nigeria um, to work. But before that, I just um, tried to find a way to prove to companies that. I am actually interested in programming. So right, what I did was I just worked on multiple projects on YouTube, Google it, um, simple projects with this language, you know, just right. built all of them, uploaded them to GitHub, even though the code I wrote were word for word, what was on YouTube, but that was like a good learning experience. So okay. I applied to companies and then some companies took me, I think industry at the time took me, and I worked there as an intern first. Right. Then after the internship, I became a full staff 
I was there, I knew that there was something missing. Right. I jumped from electrical engineering to YouTube programming, and right. then I'm a doctor. So I knew that there was something missing in between. Like, right. I can't just be writing code without understanding what I'm doing. So okay. it was this kind of theoretical knowledge and practical uh, knowledge. So all I knew was practical because I was just seeing code, seeing code. But there were some lines behind to understand how programming works before you can even solve a problem. So that was when I became more vested in actually trying to um, be a software engineer and go to the US. And that's when the mentorship with Brassai started. Then I started reaching out to him. As I see, I know I write software engineering. I started writing Java because I like, I heard you like Java and stuff like that. <laughs> so I was trying to ask, ask for advice, and you were like, "Why not just come and do your master's?" I'm like, yeah. "I don't have the money." And you were like, oh, "Why not check out the USC, try and do your research? Like, you don't need to have the money to come and study abroad." Right. There are so many ways you can do it and get funding to come and study abroad. Correct. So, yeah. like so I was kind of slowing down, lagging, like taking my time, taking my time. And before you know it, I noticed that it became heavy in my mind that I need to do this. So right. I visited that same education USA. I just had an understanding, like a run of how everything is going to go if I'm going to go study abroad. So okay. I just used that to get like a path because I'm someone who, if I'm going to work on something or go into something, I like to see how the destination is like before right. I start. So I kind of envisioned the roadmap before starting, okay. and that's what I did. So I went to Education USA because I wanted to picture, I wanted to have like clear view of how to start, what are the requirements, on how to go about this without breaking the law or missing missing right. any points. I did that and I came back to Versailles, started asking questions, who should I apply to? I even started with applying to Stanford, MIT, Harvard. Right. Versailles was, um, I mean, it's good for those schools, but it's important you highlight um, getting into the U.S., and then when you get to the U.S. with your skill sets, you can succeed in America. You don't need to be the best in the world to be there, but you have to like have like a strategy and a map to follow to succeed. So that's how I started I'm joining trying to like uh, practice okay. abroad. Yeah. So how how um, how instrumental was the mentorship for you? Um, and how did it how how did the mentorship help shape your journey? Yeah, the mentorship was very, very instrumental because, um, you know, it's easier for you to walk a path that somebody you trust already walked, you know. And because Brad Said already did (laughs) something and I saw that it worked for him, all I needed to do was not to create my own path. I just asked him, what is your template? Which right. school did you go to? <laughs> go to that school? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to like ask questions like, let me do what you did. If it worked for you, I yes. will do what you did. Before which, I is, which, is, which is the same thing I did. It worked for someone. Someone that um, that also did the exact same thing that I did. So nice. um, that, that that is the reason why I, I, I was kind of adamant that you followed this path. Because, I mean, there are lots of paths you can take. Yeah. But if it's something that has been tried and t- trusted, why not just do the same thing? You know, it's not yeah. a. Um, so so how 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 was that journey for you? Yeah, it was good. 
it was good because um, it made it easier for me to um, know my next step, basically. Right. So knowing that I'm following somebody's footsteps, if I get stuck, all I need to be like, hey, um, I'm trying to do this. I know during your time, you did something like this. Is it the same? If right. yes, I proceed. If not, but, the same. But, but to be fair, you, did, you didn't start out that way. <laughs> you, yeah, I didn't start out. I was kind of stalling. You, you, went, you went to another school initially. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, it was... Tell us about <laughs> that. Because it's all part of the experience. You know, tell us yeah. about the experience. Tell us, um, tell us the process by which you then changed schools. You know, a lot of people just always assume that I'm stuck with this school forever. You know, I cannot change. <laughs> um, but but you did it. You yeah. you navigated that. So you know, just mm. talk. Tell us about how you, you know, when you when you came in and um, that would that that this question would you know jump into the okay. next phase of adjusting academically and culturally. So tell us about, you know, um, that initial first school you came into and and why okay. you decided to switch. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So um, that was um, during the, this was during the COVID period when I started my application. So right. at the time, I knew that Brasaid went to Prairie View and I also wanted to go to Prairie View, but the school was demanding that I write TOEFL and all the rest. And it was COVID. There was no place to write it. And Brasaid was on the emphasis of apply to schools who have funding. And if you're going to apply to schools that have funding, um, that's that you should target the professors and get funding there. So preview was there, but they were asking me for stuff that I have. Then I tried on that school in Oklahoma State University. At this one, because of the COVID, they kind of waived most of the TOEFL and stuff. I was right. able to prove to them that I was taught with English, so I don't need to write the exam. And right. I showed them my resume, told them the name of my school. I went to the website to find um, if my school was taught in English, which was accredited. So I submitted the documents to them that my school was taught in English. So okay. they approved and gave me the admission to come to the U.S. with hope that I was going to get funding because some of the professors offered that they were going to give me funding after one semester, if you see my performance, if I'm okay. academically yeah. good, you give me the funding. And that was how I got the admission to come to the US. I didn't start with Prairie View, so I started with Oklahoma State University right. to, um, to start my education. And one of the reasons why I switched was because of um, the availability of funds. Right. So um, they kept on getting the scholarship and the funding. They said, oh, maybe next semester, next semester. And I know that if I keep, if I keep on doing that, I'm going right. to create in debt myself. Right. So that's when I reached out to Brasaid again, like, see, I want to go to your school now. Like, since that school has money, I want to switch. Right. So I switched after one semester. I switched to okay. Preview, basically. And that's when the journey became smooth. Okay. So what were the um, major adjustments that you had to make culturally and academically? What 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 did you what what was different from your from your Nigerian experience? You know, everyone goes, Oh, I went to Nigeria, it can't be that hard to study in the US. I mean it's just I mean if I can if I can get through um, a Nigerian school, I can get through a US school very easy, it's not different. I'm just gonna get all A's. What was that adjustment that you had to make academically first? Yeah, okay. One thing I would say is if you graduated from a university in Nigeria, you are very smart. 
So one thing I learned here was about um, how easy it is to interact with the professors. Okay, okay. They are, they are actually humans. They, they are very convenient to talk with. And in my own experience, they were, I, was, I was kind of comfortable discussing any topic with them. Okay. If I have, if I have um, a hard time understanding a topic, I reach out to the professor. He's willing to like discuss it with me. So right. that kind of encouraged me to actually be on top of my game all the time. Okay. And that actually, um, and I noticed also the way the school is structured, they are focused on what you need and not the um, irrelevant things. If I said I'm studying computer science, their focus is mostly around things that will help me um, choose a path towards the end of my course. So it was kind of um, well-crafted and stuff. So the reason why I said if you finish Nigeria school, um, you're very smart, is the grading system here and the way you take your exams in the U.S. is quite different from how it works in Nigeria. In Nigeria, right. you have to memorize all the formulas. Over here, you don't have to memorize the formulas. You just need to understand how to apply it. Right. And that's like one thing that made this kind of convenient and easier to study. Basically, mm. yes, you still have to study, but studying become became fun because it. You have to find practical applications to understand it better. Okay, okay, so, sounds good. What about culturally? What what was the what was the initial cultural shock? What was the, what is the biggest cultural shock for you when you got here? I mean, you you lived in Minnesota, you lived in Texas, now you're in Arizona. What exactly has been the biggest shock for you? Um, I would do one because, uh, I mean, my brother and I, my younger brother and I, then we okay. like watching American movies because we are fascinated by the English or sound. So, <laughs> so we got used to, we started watching American movies because yes. we were how they sound. Oh, okay. And they okay. Horror and stuff like that. So we're always watching movies. So when I came here, I... I wasn't shocked on the language bias because I understood everything they were saying because I've watched okay. so much movies. Right. And um, the shock in general for me is lifestyle, basically. Okay. I'm very Nigerian. Um, I'm very Nigerian. Try to find very conservative. <laughs> very conservative as well. As right. in people, they just, I mean, you come to class, I'm always careful because I've heard of so many things. And even before coming, I was scared of coming to America for um, some reason. I thought that um, there's going to be some kind of you know, suffer, some kind of racism and stuff like that. But right. coming here, I discovered that if you mind your business and do your thing right, you yeah. are, in my experience, you, you are good to go. So some of the shocks will just be maybe cultural differences of okay. how very conservative I am. Right. I'm very respectful. I don't call people by their first name. I always go start. <laughs> no, just call me this. I'll be like, ah, my mom is yeah. me, but it's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about your your internship. I know you did an internship at um, Twitter. Just yeah. w- walk us through how you got that internship and what the internship was like. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like I said. Before I start a journey, at least I can have like a roadmap of my sense of direction. Mm-hmm. And this was the time, while I was um, coming up with that roadmap, I was on a constant call with Brasside almost every day. 
Like, right. I was actually stressed. At the point, I felt like I was stressing him because I was always not like, what's next thing, what's next thing. So, in my roadmap, I even before coming, I knew that I had to find a way to get some of an internship. And according to everything I've understood so far, your internship is your gateway to get a full-time job. Correct. Yeah. So, the process of applying for internships, I started by applying to so many companies. I was right. at this point of I want to get, I want to get um, as many companies as I can, then I right. can decide eventually. And towards the end of my towards um, the towards the summer period. I discovered that I didn't have any internship, so I changed my strategy. And that sure. strategy was because I was so, so focused on trying to apply to companies that were far. So what I then did was, I said, okay, you know what? I'll apply to both companies because all I just need is, is experience right. so I can apply full-time eventually. So I started applying to all sorts of companies, whether they were filing or not. And that's getting the most of um, Sonar Ericsson. So because I now got in the first offer, right. it was not easier to apply for a second one and negotiate for filing, right. basically. Yeah. So that yeah. was my own strategy. So I had to make sure that I have something at hand that right. I can okay. use in my industrial experience. So while I have that industrial experience, then in the future, I would then bank on that that oh, I have a US experience and I can apply for a full-time job outside. And I applied to multiple companies, negotiating better with filing and stuff. That was okay. when I got my internship at Twitter. So I took Twitter because they were willing to do everything for me at the time um, compared to the first companies. Because I had about five offers. So I had to right. like, pick Twitter because they were willing to learn everything I was looking for. And so, so, what, so what, what, I, were the, what were the offers? Tell us. Okay. I got um, Solixin first. Okay. Then I got General Electric, GE. Okay. Then I got Salesforce. Okay. Um, and I got one other company, I can't remember the name, but I kind of think I didn't accept it because it wasn't since if you have Salesforce, you have G, you have Scenarios. So right. I didn't see the need to continue with the rest. Then Twitter was the right. last one. So I had to decide between Salesforce and Twitter. And I remember reaching out to you then. Which yeah. one did I go for? Salesforce or Twitter? And you were like, look at you debating on <laughs> which company to take. <laughs> so that was yeah. That was okay. the companies I got. So- so you'd always you would advise that you know go for as many offers and then make sure you are the one that is making that choice and, and yep. not that making the choice for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I what was, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Time I applied to 150 companies and I reached out to you that I've applied to 150, but nobody's responding. And you chop yeah. and you're like, you applied to 400 at the time. I was like, yeah. what? Then I applied as much as possible and I even created an Excel sheet of all the companies I've applied to applied for their status, what happened, what went wrong, to keep right. track of everything. I applied to over 500 companies basically. And okay. eventually five, <laughs> five yeah, of them so, were successful. So and, roughly ten percent got well not ten percent, one percent got back to you. So one percent, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> what was your um your your internship experience, what was it like? Yeah, it was my first experience in the U.S. And um, it was very, very interesting because all the engineers at Twitter, I would say, are very intelligent, very smart. I felt like, I felt intimidated at first, you know, 
um, because I don't know the background. All I just know that these people are extremely intelligent. But it was a very humbling experience because I had the opportunity to learn from them. I've learned so many things that I currently use at American Express from them because the engineers there are they know what they're doing. So that's when I started understanding um, the idea of everything I've learned in school. Because basically, when I was in school, um, in my, in my um, master's program, right. I was learning. I was learning so many things that could that was bridging the gap between the theory and practical law. So okay. when I got to um, Twitter, Twitter, it was easier for me to like begin to pick up everything. Like, oh, this is what I learned so far, and stuff. And the engineers were patient and nice, and they were always um, ready to help with the code. So it got to a point that. I am no longer scared of code because I know that I can always ask an engineer and they'll help right. me. So that challenged me to actually try to solve a problem before reaching engineers. And so yeah, they were very, very instrumental in my understanding of practical application of writing code right. and deploying it and seeing it happen live, you know, and stuff like that. That's kept me so encouraged. And yeah. So but there any form of um well, before i ask about uh, challenges what what kind of um what kind of how important was networking you know both um at at uh, during your internship and how did that how did that experience of networking in your internship translate to helping you get a job at american express okay yeah that's good that's a very good one so um, there are so many people who are actually very intelligent in this world, but um, sometimes networking is what uh, keeps you apart from the rest of the world. Right. So during my time at internship, um, during my time at Twitter, I was very close to my manager. Okay. And what the manager liked about me was how... Um, curious and inquisitive I was, I kind of demonstrated that I really want to be mentored. Okay. I demonstrated that I really want to be mentored. So she could see the burning desire of learning. And she constantly checks my LinkedIn and see the kind of things I post. So I kind of demonstrated that I want to learn and enlighten people. Okay. And stuff like that. Even writing at the time, writing on blogs, trying to like show people all that I've learned. So that was one way that I used to solidify my understanding. Anything I understand, I go about it on LinkedIn or on blogs and stuff like that. So my manager was seeing all those things I never knew until I got the offer at Twitter and then started conversing. And she told me that she's ready to help me and mentor me to become a better engineer. And which she did. Which she did. The right way to ask questions as a software engineer, the right way to write an email requesting for something, she taught me all these things basically during my stay at, at Twitter and why the engineer taught me how to master writing my code at Twitter. So that was um, so that's, the best. That's how effective it was. So how, so how did you transition um, from student or shall I say intern to a professional, was there any? Did you just use the same strategies? Um, how did you? How did you land your role at American Express? Okay, yeah. I mean, I would say everything is kind of interrelated. Both my experience okay. at my networking and down to um, American Express. 
So, um, while I was at student, I was supposed to be um, retained as a full staff, but we all know the story. And then it became X, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I was to Twitter, but <laughs> yeah, that, that was the period you were there. I wasn't even sure if she was gonna have a job, <laughs> you know. Yeah, she was even sure, she was even she has even left the company. I was still like hoping that I would reach out to her, like, hey, ma'am, can we discuss this? And before I knew that, I checked her LinkedIn, she's not going to Twitter. So that's how I go wild. But I still reached out to her because she was very kind and helpful during my internship. So she was putting in words for me and recommendations for me. That is how much we've become so close. She was reaching out to people, top people in on LinkedIn and companies that she knew, trying to make sure that I get an offer there. And that was strictly that was because um, I was kind of um, very close with her when it comes to networking and learning so she saw it as i really want to help us to be better so she was it was easier to refer to people so stuff like that i wouldn't have that would have been possible if if we didn't really a good relationship so referring right. to so companies github and all those top companies so right okay. i eventually got a job at amex um and some of the things that i learned from twitter is about um um, you're optimizing your code to be better. Okay. okay. So during my interviews that I had at American Press, so um, most of the questions that they asked were mostly things around um, um these normal list code questions. I read in, I read my list code questions and stuff like that. So those are most of the questions they asked. And okay. it's not just about writing the code. Sometimes it's about actually writing an optimized code, basically. And those are some of the things I picked while I was at Twitter. And right. um, I was able to, I mean, as a long shot, I was able to go through the five, four phases of interview. And oh, got four phases. Was, what were the phases? Just define the phases so that so that people would know what what you have to do um, and why your skills mattered in getting these things. Because you don't know anybody at, uh, at American Express. You literally mm-hmm. have yourself and your skills and an interviewer. So tell us the phases. Okay, yeah. So the first phrase was basically a recruiter reaching out to me on LinkedIn. Okay. And um, she was like, oh, I'm impressed with your skills. I've seen everything you do, your posts, and your experiences at Twitter. We are interested right. in speaking to you. So that was the part of the first phase. So the first phase was just recruiter trying to like find out a great fit for the company right. based off my experiences and what I've done at Twitter and to see if I can fit in. And the thing is that they also referenced my experience at Interswitch when I was in Nigeria. Okay. I, I was surprised. I thought they would focus on US only, but they were interested in overall experience of what I have. So I was able to like um, discuss that phase, which was like the first phase, which is what most people always pass. Right. The is always like a lead code question. So they okay. will ask you like um, this code question. I mean, I, I say lead code question because most of the structures similar to the questions they ask in this coach. Right. And mind you, before these interviews, I always practice solving like at least one question a day. But okay. I sometimes I finish one question. I end up solving one question in two days. Right. But what is important is there's progress. There's right. progress. I discovered that the more I get myself conversant with solving little good questions, 
the more easier it is to answer any algorithm data structure questions, basically. Right. So okay. um, I did my second interview, which is like algorithm and data structure questions. So okay. I was able to like scale through and stuff like that. I passed the second stage. Then on the third stage, I had yeah. two um, two engineers visiting in American Express interview okay. me on Zoom, like Zoom call. They were two. Okay. I did that one as well. So the question they asked as similar, they familiar. So the advantage of solving so many problems is that a time will come where you begin to see patterns. Patterns, yes. Yeah, that, that you see that there are repetitive patterns, and then even if you have yeah. not seen the question before, you're able you to not. you're able to hack yeah. and get into the pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, one of the most specific pattern is actually called um seventy five blind lead code question. So somebody, one of the engineers on Facebook, came up with like a structure and said, okay, if they can solve these seventy five questions, right, then you'll be able to solve any algorithm questions basically. So I just quickly took that same five question and focused on them and tried to like learn their their pattern okay. and stuff. So that's how it became easier for me to any list of questions. Yeah, I still learn every day basically, right. but most of the questions they ask, I was familiar with them. Right. And the good thing about solving those questions is that you don't really need to know it like back to back, like and know the code word for word. Yeah, you have to kind of demonstrate some kind of understanding that you know how to problem. solve this problem. So right. that's why in solving a list, in solving the algorithm question, it's right. important you show the interviewer to understand the question right. and that you have a solution before writing your code. So right. there are some techniques I had to follow on how to answer interview okay. questions. That was what I did. So I followed, I mean, I watched so many um, interview questions and I also, I mean, I think at the time, I started to interview interviews with some that's asking what kind of questions did they ask? What should I expect? So mm-hmm. I was kind of prepared on the kind of questions they would ask. And so it was easier for us to like discuss them and build solutions with the engineers. I don't need to give them code. Right. To build the solution with the engineers. So it made me more comfortable and right. then that was my third stage. The fourth stage was a behavioral interview. Okay. Basically. So the moment I saw that I passed the stage, I was a bit confident, like, oh, I passed the coding okay. one. Right. That means behavioral should be easy. So I right. did behavioral review and stuff like that so that was kind of on the chill side then there was a final one that was supposed to do with management that would right. determine if i would get the offer or not so they scheduled the interview during um nesby nesby okay. is a national, national society of um black, black engineers, engineers. Right. So i reached out to them that oh sorry i won't be available on this time i'll be at nesby and they were right. like oh at nesby you are going to be there as well and okay. the reason why I was because I knew that one of the ways to get a job, um, a good job in America, is to attend all these um, all these um, events, conferences, and um, yeah. career fairs. Attend yeah. them and sell yourself, basically. So I was ready. So I was even open, telling them that I'll be an SB. So they were like, "Oh, if you're going to be an SB, our company will be there." Why right. not go there and we'll interview your final face there? Final face there. Okay. So I already had a pending interview. <laughs> right. Even yeah. before which, is, which is always the best strategy. Yeah. So at the time, I didn't know it was going to be linked. They were interviewing me separately as an experienced engineer. Oh, but eventually, okay. I landed in SB. And when I right. got to NSB, of course, I interviewed to many other companies. But my focus was American Express because I knew I've gone through four phases. Just that okay. last one remained and stuff. And I got to Nesby. I did my final interview. 
with the VP, who is like a very nice uh, mentor to me as well. So okay. um, he interviewed me. Boats algorithm and so many so things. Give you, another technical, give you another technical question. Another two, three technical questions. <laughs> questions. After you've been through two phases already. Yeah, I had to explain to him at some point, like, sir, I've done like, I've done like for you. <laughs> I said, I know, I know. Let's do it again. Whiteboard, right in front whiteboard. of him. There was a whiteboard there. He gave me a marker. Said, solve this question and stop. Like I said. Once you're familiar with most of the questions, questions. it's easier for you to come up with a solution. And right. I was not afraid to ask questions. Like, say, right. solve this. I will always ask questions like, this is my approach. What do you think? Right. Because some people just jump into giving solutions. But right. no, yeah. I tell you my approach first. If it says um, not too good, I'll think of yeah. something else. They are actually right. very kind and, and patient to help. So, yeah, that was how okay. I landed it in American Express. Yeah. So... Based on your experience, what advice would you give to current international students and also prospective students aiming for a successful career in the U.S.? Okay, cool. Yeah, um, it depends on your field, basically. So in my own field, um, which is like computer science, yeah. I try to like keep my skills um, updated and up to par. Okay. So I try to like keep good networking. Especially yeah. on, on LinkedIn, Handshake, I try to stay connected with all of them as well. So one thing I would advise is if you are going through the route of computer science or computer information technology or any tech-related something, is right. I would say try to like keep your skills updated and also okay. stay network, stay connected with um, people. Um, in as much as you think that staying connected on LinkedIn is not helpful, actually they do watch all you post basically. Right. So if you demonstrate some kind of curiosity and zest and how you post and things that you learn, probably you can pick up the attention of somebody else who is actually viewing you. And if you are in the route of software engineering, know that personally, this code, practice question on this code. Okay. At the beginning, it's kind of intimidating, basically. It's intimidating right. because you can't for one question. But um, like Elon Musk always say, Time box yourself. <laughs> time box yeah. yourself. You see a problem. Time box yourself. Say, I'm giving myself, for example, 30 minutes to solve this. If I can't solve it, find a solution. Right. So I time box my time box yourself. Try to solve the problem. If you see it's not working, just switch to the solution. Understand what you did and try to redo that thing in the game within that same time box. So if you want time boxing yourself for each of your self improvements, mm. before you know it, you become proficient in how to solve problems. This is the right of engineering. So, last question. So, b- reflecting on your entire journey now, how do you feel about the decision to leap to the US? And what does what does this experience mean for you to you now? Yeah, it's a very life changing. Okay. Yeah, I've enjoyed every um, bit of my journey. Okay. Both for the struggling part and the successful part, basically. Okay. So the reason why I appreciate the struggling part as well is that if there was no challenge along the way, if there were no challenges along the way, right? I don't know how I would appreciate the, the success. So the struggle is part of the success, actually. And um, it has been an amazing journey. And um, having people, have friends like um, Brassard who encourage you when I was mid-halfway, like, 
why did I come here? I have to go back to Nigeria. <laughs> you have to hang in there, brother. You have to hang in there. Just be done with the school first. Then we can talk about the rest, you know. And it was kind of encouraging to have people ask questions, to to reach out to, to just to feel encouraged. Because knowing that you have no family here yeah. is the beginning of depression. Right. The first weeks in America, I was crying because I was not used to being on my own. Yeah. No family, no friends. Yeah. I was crying and stuff like that. But over time, I started understanding that um, to grow, actually, you have to be away from your comfort zone. Yeah. So I started by being away from comfort zone, growing, always try to be in touch with my family in Nigeria so I don't feel like I'm lost. You know, yeah. family praying for me and stuff. And just staying and obeying the laws, basically, you will thrive. But yeah. Okay. Then, oh, then. Well, thank you very much for sharing. I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you have a uh, one or two code uh, code bases to look at, or some uh, CI/CD uh, loop yeah. to complete, or some ML ops uh, things yeah. to to flesh out. But I wanted to say thank you for taking out some time of your precious time to speaking with uh, uh, our podcast today. Um, I wish you very well. I I hope to bring you for further interviews, um, probably around things like how do you grow where you are? So what are you, what have you done differently? Did you get a promotion and things like that? So so that we can we can walk through so that people can learn through the lens of people that are in the system as opposed to mm. just reading a blog somewhere like you know someone mm. wrote this so i will be disturbing you for yeah. further episodes yeah thank you so much for having me all right it's a pleasure thank you. yeah take care Bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Leapfrog Chapa. I hope it brought you valuable insights and stories that resonate with your journey. If you have any thoughts to share, questions, or want to send a voice note with your feedback, please visit our website at leapfrogchapa.io. You will find a contact from there. I would love to hear from you and feature your voice in a future episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform some of which are Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Player FM. Your subscriptions and reviews help us grow and reach more listeners, and I truly appreciate each one of them. Also, check out our merch store on the PutJackboy.io website for some cool t-shirts and hoodies. Perfect show for showing your support for the show. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll dive even deeper into the experiences and challenges of international education and careers. Until then, keep leaping forward, and thanks again for being part of the Leap with Jackpot community.